Welcome to Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. We're here to help you take your health, fitness, and mindset to the next level. It's time to level up. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. Today we are talking about you can love your body but still want to change it. Yeah, absolutely. Every now and then, uh, obviously I talk a lot about, I guess, like loving your body and body acceptance, etc. So when I go through fat loss phases or publicly show that I'm trying to change my body, I'll get the odd like comment being like, I thought, you know, you preaching like don't change yourself, etc. And I'm like, it's an interesting concept because like you said, like you can love your body but still want to change it. And I think it's, of course, it's coming from bikini pros, right? Like we've definitely had aesthetic goals um, in the past and still definitely do. Like it's nice to work on your body and change things about it as well. But I think it's the motivation and the motive behind why we're wanting to change and the outcome because not everyone does it for the same reasons. Yeah, and that's so true. And I'm excited for today's episode to explore those motives and the motivation and perhaps the whys behind we might change our body in the gym or, you know, aesthetically breast implants, Botox, the rest, you know, even getting your nails done, even getting your hair done, all of these things count as changes. Does it mean Mm. we're unhappy or does it mean we're bored? Are we doing it for someone else? There's so many reasons. Um, Mm. But, yeah, I want to highlight or we're going to highlight and go through all of those reasons and hopefully allow you to reflect and realise, hey, change doesn't always have to come from a place of not being happy. You can love yourself but then still want to enhance your life and and make a positive change. So there's a lot to explore today. Yeah, I never thought about it like that, like even dyeing your hair and makeup and fashion. It's all self-expression, right? But it's mm. it's still changing your appearance. Um, and then like obviously in the fitness industry, I feel like it's built off how people look for the vast majority of it. And that's just because we're human beings. We're attracted to physical traits and um, we're more motivated to work towards those things. So, yeah, it's a great thing. But I think today we really want to talk about the fact that eventually you've got to find another type of driver that isn't just how you look so yeah excited to be able to get into some of these types of motivation yeah in terms of let's just go into comp prep for example Mm. what was the driving force behind you wanting to change from what you looked like to then getting on stage there Mm. yeah it's a great question I think at the start for me I got addicted to progression like I got addicted to being good at something physical um because even growing up like I was always uh you know, B-grade netballer, like your average tennis player, pick last in PA, and that's fine. Like I always accepted small hands, short legs, like I wasn't athletically built uh, for performance for a lot of things. Whereas when I got into like lifting um, and even before that, when I got into running, I guess, um, or long distance running, I started to excel physically at those things and I was quite good at it. And the same with, um, I guess, bodybuilding. Like I just have that structure that can put on a lot of muscle mass quite easily um, and hold it quite well. So I, I, I got reinforced early on in my bodybuilding career, if I want to call it. Um, and I was like, wow, like, you know, it fulfilled that athlete part of me to be like, I'm really good at this. And the harder I work, the better I get. 
and I'd never had that because I'd always done team sport. So for me, like I can honestly confidently say like getting into bodybuilding, like, yes, I loved the physical stuff. Don't get me wrong. It's what gets a lot of us into the gym initially. It's probably what got me into the gym and probably got me running to start with, like losing weight. But once I started to get momentum, and started to see how my body could change and how strong I could get. And like I said, the direct work that I put in is what I got out. I loved that because I was like, oh, well, I got a great work ethic. So I'll get as far as I actually want to take myself. So that's why I think I was able to stay so motivated um, and driven for years and years and years, even through times that I wasn't reinforced in the ways that I was early on. I love that. I love that. There's so much more to the physical change than just the physical change. I mean, you had that reinforcement, you finally found your passion and what you're good at and and all of that. And it is important to recognize that often the physical change is a byproduct of you changing your lifestyle and your habits and finding a new passion and a new um, group of friends and all of that. So I'm not going to pretend that I've never felt unhappy with how I looked. Like there's definitely a lot of the younger part of me um, probably up until early 20s that what physically wanted to change my appearance amongst, you know, the reinforcement and, and finding a sport that we love. Um, but, yeah, a lot of my or a couple of my comp preps have been me being like, mm, I feel a bit frumpy, I don't feel sexy, I don't feel myself, I feel a bit lazy, I'm going to do a comp prep. And I think that actually happened twice. But mm. it wasn't just about me looking in the mirror saying I don't like what I see. That might have been, you know, 30% of it. The rest was mentally. I knew that I dropped the ball on some of my habits. I was in a routine that I didn't enjoy. Um, still, you know, having achievements career-wise and all of that, but physically and, and the energy output into something like a big goal like that wasn't there. So I just decided to start going on my morning walks again and, you know, just um, tracking my macros a little bit more thoroughly and all of that. So that led into the comp prep. Um, but I just want to reinforce that, you know, there there are times where we don't feel good about ourselves as well. We're not robots or super zen um, yogis who have mastered the mindset. Those voices still came up and, and do come up. Uh, it's just about, you know, recognizing that and then separating from just the physical and say, okay, my physical state will change, but what are the habits that I need to start doing again in order to get that change? Yeah, absolutely. Very well said. Even when I think back to like maybe pre-bodybuilding, like pre-sports, um, like when I was a teenager, like for example, when we say like you can love your body but still want to change it, when I think back to how what my relationship was like with my body when I was younger, like I hated having like muscular legs. Mm. I just hated having legs. And as I got older, I think I just learned to accept the things that I couldn't like you know love and then eventually I started to love them if that makes sense as cliche as that sounds but a lot of us have uh like genetics that just align with a certain structure and I think maybe it's had a little bit of a shift as well of the way that people um like I don't know aesthetics you know like fix almost like come in a little bit like strong as you know not the skinny look anymore but when we were a little bit younger like thin legs was what everyone was aspiring to have and that's just not in my genetic makeup like I am yeah. not a naturally thin person um I am sort of the opposite like I usually have to watch what I eat and I know I will like later on in life as well as I become more sedentary etc I'm not someone that's just naturally lean 
I have to work very hard to maintain body composition, um, which is my lifestyle at the moment. So it's not necessarily hard. But when I was younger, like I didn't like my legs. So like I would avoid sports that would like build my legs up because I would notice even from running, like I would notice that my legs would get more developed. Um, Whereas it's funny how when I got into the gym, like I, I attached a different purpose to growth like and and size and it was from like a positive aspect and I think a lot of people will be able to relate to that because we all have areas and parts of our bodies that we don't like I know a lot of people like oh Sherelle what a problem like your legs are too muscular but there definitely was a time where that was like you know not aesthetic aesthetically pleasing for a lot of people and definitely something that I didn't like when I was younger that I've now learned to really appreciate that is amazing and you're definitely not alone there, particularly for that time frame. Last night I was reading an article by one of the Olympic swimmers, you know, in the 2000 Olympics, the Aussie team, and they were ridiculed for having beautiful big broad shoulders and the lats and they were, you know, um, there were articles written about them being on performance-enhancing drugs or they would get teased at school because they were so muscular. But, mm. you know, they are masters at their craft or they found an environment in which they can excel. And like what you did with bodybuilding, you know, you you recognise this is my makeup. Obviously the sport then enhances those features because mm. you're swimming or bodybuilding, they're going to grow. Um, but you use it as a superpower and learn to love that part about you. You can certainly change your actions and change your environment um, if you can't change that thing about you, if that makes sense. You can change your mindset about a part that you don't love, but then you can also put yourself in an environment in which that part can be your best asset or your superpower. Yeah, absolutely. Very well said. It's the same as like when Luke was trying to teach me how to play guitar. My hands, I kid you not, are so small, guys. Like I've actually <laughs> never met anyone with smaller hands than me. I've never heard it's, you talk about this before. Next yeah, time we need really a measure. they're really small. They're mm. really, they'd be smaller than yours, I promise you. Yeah, um, I bet. <laughs> hands are really small and I could never for the life of me. Um, I played clarinet when I was younger. Um, and Cute. when you graduate to like the bigger recorder or the bigger clarinet, I could never play it just because I couldn't spread my fingers is out wide enough it used to kill me because I was really good at the smaller one and I couldn't like move up um and the same with like uh Luke trying to teach me guitar and he's like your hands are just actually too small to be able to like play the chords and I'm like you know genetics have a role like I'm never going to be a musician like obviously I'm not going to try it but I think you can play the triangle or the drums Um, But it's the same with sports, right? And it's a tough world out there. I ain't ever going to be a basketballer. Like I'm five foot nothing. So it's about (laughs) understanding that even though, yes, we have physical traits that dictate how we look, that, you know, we can enhance or whatnot, but sometimes we're going to fight against our genetic makeup. Like what I said with me trying to have slim legs, it just wasn't going to work ever. Mm. Um, As soon as I started getting, getting into lifting, they were the things that like would grow the most. So the same with other characteristics, whether it's like, you know, um, like like how you look visually, like your face, your hair color, like those sorts of things. It's just about which ones are appropriate to change, which ones like are coming from a place of, you know, like still self-compassion when you're wanting to change it rather than like a place of punishment or like I really hate this thing about me and I can't have it. So I think today we wanted to talk about like the different types of motivation and how this actually like can link into your physical journey as well yeah for sure so there are many many types of motivation but we've narrowed it down to sort of extrinsic and intrinsic which we've spoken about before 
Um, so external or extrinsic motivation, it's a great starting point for some. You know, you might set yourself a physical goal such as weight loss, body recomp, or wanting to grow a certain part or perform a certain weight. And that's what I feel like gets most people into the gym first. Like, right, this is my goal. Um, there's a lot of external factors, um, but it gets people in the gym because maybe they don't realize the deeper motivation. They're kind of looking in the mirror going, yeah, all right, we'll set a goal now. And you need an, a lot of external factors such as a gym buddy or music or all those things. And, you know, I still use a lot of them, to be honest. So there's no right or wrong. It's just about being aware. Uh, external factors rely on things that are outside of yourself. Now, it can be a dangerous field to play in because, you know, we've all been there when we've forgotten our headphones or, you know, you might have left your socks at home or something like that. And then straight away, like, no, nah, I'm, I'm not training today or it's all too hard. It's not going my way. Um, so that's sort of a little take on on the external factors. There's not much motivation from within, um, but you're relying on that goal and those other things to get you there. Mm, absolutely. I think with the um, external factors as well, like, like I mentioned earlier, like I think getting into running in the gym for me, like it was weight loss. Mm. I really wanted to see the scale go down. And I think that's very common for a lot of people to get into the fitness space. It's a big driver is that weight loss piece. But eventually we have to start looking beyond how we look and try and attach to something else. Because even with weight loss, like we're going to hit plateaus and it's not always going, like we can't just strive to be smaller, 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 smaller forever. We have to eventually be okay with like shifting gears and focusing on something else. And I think this is really important for coaches to understand as well, because you're going to get clients come to you nine times out of 10 with external motivators or external goals. I want to look this way. I want to grow my glutes, et cetera, et cetera. Like they come to you with these sorts of goals. I think times are shifting a little bit. Like I, I now get clients being like, I want to get strong. I want to feel confident. Like they have these intrinsic drivers, um, which is incredible. Uh, I don't think it used to be like that. Like I think there's been no. a shift in the last five years to be able to do it. So I think a mix of both is fine. And like what you said, Danny, sometimes the external motivators is enough to get people started because that's what we need for beginners in particular. Like let's just get you started and get some momentum uh, in whatever area that means and we can build off top of that. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, what you touched on earlier about body compositions being different and a lot of people wanted that slimmer look and people were uneducated about weight training. They didn't know the benefits um, that were outside of growing muscle, quote, unquote. So it's really cool to see that trend and that change. People go, hey, I'm going to lift weights because I can be strong and it is good for my body. It's good for my mindset. Um, so I feel like, yeah, People who are new to the industry may not know those benefits. So they they may still come to you guys as coaches or us as well with that external goal. And it's hard because they're the ones at the start who need more hand-holding because they are mm. not motivated, you know. That's why, yeah, it's, it's normally a starting point for people. But then as you truly love going to the gym or whatever sport you're doing and learn more about yourself, then you are more self-motivated there. But um, yeah, we, we all have those clients that need a little bit more hand-holding at the start. Now, as a good coach, it's our job to allow them to explore and to explore with them the inner reasons and and to get the feelings and, and the deeper whys with them. 
not everyone can go there and that's okay. But for people who want to change, you know, in a positive way, which is the theme of our podcast today, you do need to tap into that internal motivation. Mm. How do you help clients go from an external like motivator to an internal one? I suppose it's about giving them the space to work it out. You don't straight away on day one, you know, go, hey, what's your why? Tell me about your whole life story and all that because, you know, they, <laughs> yeah. they probably don't know. We don't want to be too intrusive. So it's just like a first date, you know, you, you as the relationship grows and as, you know, they've been given more space because a lot of people are never given space in their whole life, you know. It's... Mm. um. And, and it's quite interesting what comes up when someone does have space and the right prompting questions, then they can sort of, you know, go through through coaching and have that space and those questions and recognise, hey, it's actually more than just body recomp or, you know, whatever their goal was. It's like this actually makes me feel good. I, my confidence is increasing and all of that. But it does take time. It, it depends on how new the client is. I'm just talking for sort of a new client who's new to the gym. They don't know how it's going to make them feel. They're new to it. They don't know how good it is for them for the long term. So it's just about um, giving them time and giving them space to have those realisations. And then mm. once they're hooked, they're hooked and, you know, yeah. gym is life. It's such a cool <laughs> process. <laughs> gym is life. Yeah, I completely agree. I think when we have um, external motivators at the start, it's really helpful to be able to capitalise on those and use them to our advantage and actually get some momentum. And f- as coaches, right, we don't want to go, oh, well, you can't focus just on weight loss. Mm. Like we can know that, but we need to respect like where they're at and then allow ourselves to build on top of them, on top of those goals, sorry, and think about, well, how do you want to feel when you lose that weight? Like what does that look like? Like you start getting a bit more curious about how you can actually attach those external drivers uh, to the internal intrinsic motivators that we know are actually going to allow to be consistent for a long period of time when physical progress plateaus because we all know the newbie gains that we get for the first 12 months, (laughs) right? Like they're great. And, you know, someone can commit to something for that long. They're probably going to get momentum and motivation anyways just from that to stay intrinsically um, driven towards something. But I think a lot of people, especially if they're following crappy programs or, you know, doing fad diets and they're not getting any physical results, it's why they just yo-yo all the time because they actually aren't getting proper guidance and enough momentum to even develop like or even fulfill uh, their extrinsic motivators, their external motivators. They're not even doing that. So they can't Mm. even build on top of it. Yeah. And external motivators, like you might reach that goal. And we, we've spoken about this many times because we've reached, you know, the the small percentage of people who have gotten as lean as we've gotten for stage or, you know, whatever goal it is. And it's an empty feeling if you just live for extrinsic goals. It's yep. just extrinsic. I'm getting extrinsic, extrinsic goals because you, you reach a weight loss goal and then it's like, well, now what? You can't maintain that forever if it's an extreme goal. You know, it, it also does depend on how extreme the goals are, but you're going to get to that goal and go, what's next? What's next? Mm. And all the high achievers and type A personalities, we all live by this and it can be super yeah, dangerous territory to always look for what's next. If it's just coming from a place of um, wanting to change, you know, for someone else because you don't feel good about yourself, it's like you you can still, unfortunately, and you see it, the more that we're getting older and in the industry, you see it so much. It's like people are achieving crazy things 
And it's like they just don't recognize how amazing it is, you know, and it's like, oh, my God, they're stuck in that cycle of never-ending achievements because you can yeah. you can see that they're not happy. If if someone's achieving things and, you know, you're, you're rewarding yourself and saying, oh, my God, I'm so proud of myself or well done, team, or whatever, that's great. Keep shooting for the stars. But it's like you can really just see it from people. They're getting bigger. They're getting stronger. They're doing more things. It's more aggressive, real masculine mm. energy. You can be a male or female. But it's like, oh, man, when are they going to start recognizing how awesome they are, you know? You can tell it's not really coming from a place of self-love. And it's so common. We've been there, definitely. Um, but it's important to recognize it's an, you're like on the hamster wheel. If you can't get your mindset, um, you, it's a never-ending hamster wheel of achievement. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's also tied a lot to like dopamine as well. We actually just get sensitized to reinforcement and um, like winning, right? Like it doesn't matter where you are. Like uh, I can't remember where I heard this, but he was talking about like success feels the same, like achievement feels the same whether where you are now versus where you were. And I was reflecting on this even with social media, right? Like it's like, oh, everyone just wants 1K and then 2K and then 10K and then 50K and then 100K and then a million. And it's like, when does it stop? Mm. And like he was reflecting on, you know, like hitting 5,000 followers, you're going to feel exactly the same when you hit 100. Like the the same level of feeling is the exact same in the body. So if we don't learn to sit in that and acknowledge that that's a win for us, we miss it and we just deflect that. And therefore the void of dopamine gets larger and we need more to get the same feeling. So Mm. I think it's really important with our own physical goals, right? Because we remember that first pull up, like how proud we were or the first time we did a, you know, a really strong set of five on a barbell back squat, you know, or the first really heavy conventional deadlift, you know, or losing weight, you know, for the first time. And we're like, oh, I can be compliant. Like we get that dopamine hit. And it's the same thing when it comes to anything that's external. If we don't pause to reflect on it and like for those who won't really want to be successful, like attaching it to an intrinsic motivator, even more so um, like the habits that you've done or the, or the practices that you put in or the reps and the skills that you've acquired, et cetera, that you've done, the intrinsic work that you've done, um, you'll miss it. And you'll always give that to the external thing. It's never you who did it. It's the other thing. It's the personal trainer. It's, you know, it's, it's the weight on the scale. It's not you that's done the work. And I think it's really important to do that U-turn to be like, okay, like, yes, like this has happened, but I achieved it through the things that I did and showed up and the investments I made into myself, the work that I put in. And I think that's um like even when we look at like gratitude, right, like a lot of people practice gratitude, but I think a lot of people make the mistake of um, doing too much external gratitude, like oh, I'm grateful for the weather or I'm grateful mm-hmm. for that person or I'm grateful for this coach. But like a coach doesn't do the work for you. You do the work, like yeah. you do the hard reps. And I think when we can, again, like attach that um, external goal or external motivator to an intrinsic work ethic or an intrinsic motivator, that's when it really starts to all marry together. Yeah, thanks for sharing all of that. And you may have been referencing the Huberman podcast. I don't know, he did one on dopamine yeah. and and all of that. And as soon as I listened to that, because um, he was sort of saying, you know, you can't let yourself, you know, don't get too high or too low. But I love riding the highs because it's fun. And I'm like, what do you mean oh, so the higher it is, you know, then you're going to have a crash. And, oh, my yeah. God, I feel like I'm going through a dopamine crash right now. It happens to me and Paul all the time because we're just so like, woo. 
from, you know, the three weeks of my birthday and then finishing off with the WBFF, like it was the most funnest three weeks of my life because it was all socializing, all amazing food, hugs, kisses, the best time in the whole world. And then it's like down, everything's finished. And it's like a big come down. And then it's like, oh my God, how do you top that? And I know I never will, but it's like, like subconsciously your body's like, where's all that fun again? And where is it? You know, or we had it with the gym leading up to the gym opening or the app development. And then it's done. And it's like down. Well, how do you top opening a bloody gym? It's like, oh my God. So I can totally relate to that. Um, I haven't mastered it, but then a part of me doesn't want to because to live a life where you don't feel the highs and the lows and all that, it's like, are you really living? I used to think that you just need to be emotionless about everything. That That's when I was reading, you know, The Power of Now, Eckhart Tolle's books, and I still love him, but it's like to live a full life, you need to feel the highs, even though I'm going against the science of Andrew Huberman, but it's like, you got to have a little bit of that. I, I remember you saying that you had a little bit of a crash after the WBFF, but on a whole, like, do you still go through those dopamine highs and lows? Absolutely. And I don't know why it's so much worse in business, yeah. <laughs> but it's like you go through so many highs and lows because you have the opportunity to make the highs highs and the lows lows, yeah. right? And everyone goes through both phases um, in general. Like, and I know a lot of people like it's why postnatal depression's a thing, to be honest. Like it's it's a big factor, Um, like post-baby blues around that day three mark. It's a massive thing. A lot of people go through these, these drops um after the wedding, you know, getting home from the holiday and it doesn't have to be tied to like physical or business or money or anything because we experience dopamine anytime we feel rewarded externally or um, internally as well. So I definitely go through it. Haven't mastered it, but um, I'm going to reference Gary V again because I do love him. Something (laughs) I was listening to him talk about, um, I guess, taking how to not take things personally from social media. And he was saying, like, I don't accept the compliments and therefore the rejections don't mean anything to me either. Like he was saying that when people give you so much praise on social media, like, again, that never too high, never too low, like just Mm. go, yeah, thanks, instead of like, I'm the best, I'm the shit, you're so right, I'm the goat. Like he's like, I don't (laughs) give a shit about your praise like thank you but I don't give a shit like I don't believe it I just sort of take it in I see it all uh and therefore when people throw hate at me I also don't like believe in it because I don't actually get sort of reinforced by other people's external um, gratification towards it and I found that very interesting because I'm like it's so true because if you take like everyone else's opinions or like what's happening around you is like that's the truth and you you absorb all of that, then you're going to absorb the other stuff too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a bit of what you said as well of like, you know, you want to be able to have that connection piece. And I have a little bit of like a, a bias that I think females function a little bit differently when it comes to like confidence um, and compassion and like self-love and those things than men. Like a lot of men are very good at just sort of like, stuff them all, never high, never low, like push through that sort of mentality, which is so fine. Um, But I sort of think we're a bit more empathetic and we like to connect with our people and show compassion on lots of different levels. Yeah, interesting. Um, Good old Gary Vee. And that's very, very true. And I was talking about this the other day to Paul actually about, you know, social media and all of that. And it's like, 
you give people power if you hang off every word that they say. And it's like it might be a control thing, but then it's also, you know, give yourself that power Mm -hmm. by being your own cheerleader. You know, why do we have to get praise from other people to them feel worthy? Or if if someone says something bad about us, why do we always take it so emotionally deep it's like you need to remove yourself from that it's still nice to get praise it's still important to get constructive feedback but at the end of the day we have the power um if we yeah create those affirmations ourselves and we we tell ourselves we're the best we don't need someone else to tell us I think that's really important to recognize because a lot of people still do things for the reaction of other people only And I'm not saying to, again, never take compliments because it's nice to connect to people and, you know, share that, but don't make that your sole force of motivation. Have it from within. And then Mm -hmm. someone says you're the best, just quietly and not cocky, you go, thanks, I already knew that, but you know what I mean? Like just, (laughs) you know, not in a cocky way, it's just the best way to be. Like we've all been through high school and there's times where you're just hanging off other people's words and it's just a disaster, that validation. It's like validate yourself Mm. um, and and then do it from there. Validate yourself. Yeah, I love that. I think, um, you know, sort of deep, deep things around self-worth stop a lot of people um, from leaning into the areas that they want to. And it sort of ties in beautifully to the last type of motivation that we wanted to talk about, which was deep motivation. Um, I just made this up, but I was thinking about (laughs) when you see people that are motivated from like purposes that are bigger than themselves, right? Like outcomes and causes and visions and reasons and missions like these are the things that allow people to push through extreme situations um something that i was thinking about is like a lot of people will do like you know ex- um ultra marathons or whatever it might be like um big endurance events uh for like cancer um to to fundraise money or you know maybe they've got like a family member in mind and they're sort of raising money for that or you know that purpose or research in that area um the other thing that shows up for me is like eating healthy to be a good role model um, or a good parent. That's something that pops up. It's like, I want to be a good mom. I want to be a good role model for my daughter. Like all of these deep motivators, I think they're so powerful uh, and they go under-recognized because we all have them, to be honest. We all have deep motivators. They can be positive or they can be negative as well. And like I said, it could be a, around recognition or status or self-worth. Like we just want to be accepted. Um, we see this a lot in the fitness industry around status. And I think uh, it's a deep motivator for a lot of people uh the whether it's good or bad and i say that lightly it comes around like why why is that the motivator like why is acceptance a motivator why is role modeling a motivator again can be good um or not so good you know it just really depends but i think if we can understand our deep motivators um we will always be able to lean on those internally because they're only a thought away I love that. And you do see that a lot in celebrities, for example, who have made all the money in the world and, um, you know, they can go one way where they just party and have amazing cars and do all that or they, you know, open a center. Like just thinking of Olivia Newton-John, bless her soul. Like I was so Mm, sad when she passed away and I'm like, why am I crying? Like I was actually crying and I'm like what the fuck's going on I didn't know her but then it's because I was watching 
um, like something on 60 Minutes, like everything she did for back for the community and all those selfless acts, you know, mm-hmm. you reach a certain level of celebrity status, but then she went and opened the cancer clinic in Melbourne and, and you know, everyone's words about her were just about the impact that they made. It wasn't about she had all this money. She was the best you know, singer or, you know, whatever. It was like they're the acts and that's the deep motivation that allows someone to truly live their life to till the end with purpose. And mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be as big as that, you know. We're not all going to be as big as Olivia Newton-John, but it's like in your immediate community, how can you tap into that and and recognise, hey, there's so much out there that can be impacted with me without it being about me and my ego and that validation. It's like it's such a beautiful thing to be able to tap into that deep motivation. It's very selfless. Yes, we need to get to a point to be able to do that. You know, it might need to be about us only for the first five years while we're growing a business or 10 years or, you know, while we're there for our family and all of that. But then it's like you just see it from people who have achieved all the monetary success quote unquote they always give back to charities and do all that and I'm like why are they doing it but that just really highlighted it It, they've tapped into that deeper motivation part there so Mm. for something you made up well done (laughs) (laughs) quote (laughs) trademark Um, I think a lot of people that have a lot of influence get to a point where they no longer want just influence they want impact like and that's very common because fame is great but it's only exposure and a lot of people you know money's money to be honest I think we all get like it's just money like it's just it's just an exchange of energy so when people have a lot of that it's like they want to leave a mark not just sort of be remembered by their name they want to be remembered through a purpose and I think that if we don't have a purpose for why we do what we do, honestly, we become depressed because yep. it's it's not a it's not a good way of living to not feel like you're having an impact on the people around you because it becomes a very like um you know a selfish life and it doesn't feel very intrinsically motivating. So yeah, if we can find this deep motivator, and a lot of people you know develop it when they you know maybe um like, yes, you can connection, um, get a connection through work. And I think a lot of people have that sense that are in service-based works, nurses, midwives, police officers, teachers, mm-hmm. very selfless um, jobs because, that you know, financially, um, in my biased opinion, yeah. you don't get paid enough. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So there has to be other reasons as to why you do that work. That's why it's they're so popular in terms of the industries is because as humans, like our human need is actually connection to feel like we're a part of the pack, that we're needed to be a part of the tribe, like that we hold weight and value and we contribute. Like contribution is massive um, for like motivation and purpose of life. If we don't feel like we're contributing to something beyond ourselves, honestly, I would feel, I can't speak for everyone else, but I would feel depressed. Like if I didn't feel like I was actually doing good in the world and I was just like leaving a mark here that wasn't for anything, I'd be like, what's the point? (laughs) Like what's the actual point? So it is a bit of a deep one, um, but it's, I think it's, it's powerful when you can find it. Yeah. Yeah. So with today's podcast, I mean, we, we just wanted to highlight that we don't wake up every day and, and love every part about ourselves. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be times where a little voice comes up and, and all of that. But you can definitely be at a point where you love yourself in all shapes and sizes and, you know, we recognise that there there are parts of us that we can't change. You mentioned small hands or, you know, body composition, muscles, all of that. Cool. Recognise that. And then 
put yourself in an environment and in a state of mind in which you can use those things to benefit yourself and someone else and and to find your purpose and impact there. Now, it is important to continue to change because as humans, you know, we're on this earth to evolve and and to learn and to grow. Like, I, I feel like it's, yeah, empty going off the back of you, what you said to not leave an impact that's outside of ourselves or to never change and to be stagnant. We'll, we'll get bored naturally as humans or, you know, we, yeah, depressed is what you said. That's what can bring those feelings on. So make changes to yourself physically to to get more confident yes it's fine but then also recognize that you can't live an ongoing life always trying to fix yourself or you know mm. fixate on what's wrong or what you don't like it's like cool if i can change it i'll make a little change there realize that that change isn't actually going to make me happy but then use that on your life's journey for that growth to reach that deep motivation yeah, well said. Beautifully tied together, and we might we might leave it there. So, mm-hmm. thanks everyone for tuning in. We did hope you enjoy uh, this episode and resonated with some of the types of motivation that we spoke about today. Uh, if you did enjoy the episode, please do take a screenshot, uh, tag the Level Up podcast, and share it on your Instagram story. Thanks, everyone.